0: We had a great time uh, um, down in St. George last week. Be praying for Sam and and the crew down there. It just it's so exciting to see what this church is doing other places. Such a blessing. So anyway, I was I knew I was going to be gone, and I, I asked Jason. I'd asked uh, David first to, to preach, and I re- and then he said, "Well, I'm getting ready for camp." He pre- preached all week, so you be praying while he preaches, too. That takes a lot out of you, preaching in altitude. But uh, so I said, Jason, you need to come and just share your testimony. And I heard that was just moving last week, hearing how God's working in Jason and Gretchen's life. But David said, but I do have 1 Corinthians 12 ready. And I said, well, then we're ready to hear it. And uh, such an important passage. You know, we live in a culture, especially Christian culture, that's very event-motivated. you know what I mean? Got to go to a Christian concert, Christian uh, 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 seminars, and so it's very event-motivated. And what happens to a lot of Christians is we become spectators. And I know that every time David comes, the Holy Spirit uses him as a scapel, His preaching is very spirit-filled. So I know you're going to have some things to think about. And I want you to be praying, where would God use you? It's not to make you feel guilty about not doing anything. What we want to keep ministering here is that if you haven't found that place of service where you're gifted, you're missing out on the joy. You're really missing the joy. But first, Ben is going to come and minister 1 Corinthians 12 to us.
1: Good morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you're led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way.
2: Thank you, Ben. Uh, Great encouragement to all of us to memorize scripture. And I used to think, you know, just memorizing a paragraph was good, but now it's books of the Bible. Always raising the bar at LVC. (laughs) As I think back on the past 20 years of serving the Lord, uh, I've realized something. The best and most fruitful ministries that we've been blessed to take part in have always been a team effort, a body effort, always. Didn't matter if we were in the remotest plains of uh, Mongolia or on some far-flung island in Indonesia, it was still a body effort. It was still the body of Christ at work. God always provides teammates. He provided local church to support us. He provided your prayers and and financial support. It was always a body effort. Well, I want to remind us this morning, that's God's design for each of you, every one of you, to fulfill the good works that God has planned in advance for you and to realize the most fruitful utilization of your spiritual gifts is going to require your connected to the body of Christ in the form of a local church. You're not going to realize the full blessing of God in your life until you realize that you need to be connected to a local church. However, this body life, once we get into it, just like a family, when you get married, you'll realize it again, can be challenging at times, difficult even, if it's not guarded and nurtured. So there's a lot of people who feel like it'd be better just to go it alone with God, to kind of remain loosely affiliated, loosely connected with the church, but not really make a commitment. Now, let me tell you this morning, that's not God's desire. Now, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm not going to be speaking about the first and last parts. I'm not going to be explaining all the different spiritual gifts, giving you my opinion on whether prophecy is the same thing as preaching, whether some have ceased today or not, whether there still are apostles functioning or not. And some of you may be disappointed because we really like to focus in on ourselves, don't we? What part of the body am I? You know, we like the little spiritual gift surveys. Am I a prophet? Mm, Am I... Uh, have the gift of helps, and that's not bad. I don't want to make fun of it too much, but sometimes in this day and age we're so, where we're so self-focused, we lose sight of the bigger picture, and that's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the center part of chapter 12 and leave the other more difficult part of the passage to Pastor Martin if he wants to pick it up. <laughs> but I want to focus on the importance, not just of the spiritual, individual spiritual gifts, but the importance... Of being connected to the body. The importance of being connected to the body. So, today's passage, as you all know, is part of Paul's epistle to the Corinthian church. Now, this was a local congregation. These were people called out of that city. I don't believe that this is necessarily a circular letter. This was written to an individual congregation. And we as an individual, individual congregation would do well to study the issues and the struggles that, First that the Corinthian church faced. I find it interesting also that in the book of 1 Corinthians, the word church is used more often than in any, in any other New Testament book. The word church or ecclesia occurs one time in the book of Philippians, Hebrews, and James, two times in First and Second Thessalonians, 3 times in Galatians, 4 times in 1 Timothy, 5 times in Romans, 9 times in Ephesians, 19 times the word church occurs in Acts, and in 1 Corinthians, 23 times. So this epistle, as much or more than any other epistle, is written to deal with issues that we face, that even LVC faces as local church. The immediate context of uh, this, the verses that we're going to look at today, focus on 12 through 27, um, is a teaching on spiritual gifts, teaching on spiritual gifts. You see, the, the, the Corinthians were struggling to understand and exercise their spiritual gifts. But this wasn't the only thing that they were struggling with, as we know from studying the book the last month or two. They were struggling with what? With disunity. They're struggling with factions, rivalries, uh, sexual immorality, lawsuits between the believers, dysfunctional marriages, weak consciences. Spiritual libertarianism, idolatry, role confusion, drunkenness, pride, arrogance, disorder in worship, theological confusion, and just a general lack of love and concern and care for one another. This is what the Corinthian church was struggling with, not just the issue of spiritual gifts. But as we know from the West Institute, the fruit that we see in a person's life or in a church is often connected to a root. And the root, I believe, for for a lot of these problems that I just listed wasn't the individual problem. It was because of this. The, The Corinthian church was failing to view itself and function as a body, the body of Christ. Okay? Let me just say that again. The Corinthian church was failing to view itself corporately and function as a body, the body of Christ. And because of this, they were experiencing a whole host of problems, defeat, and confusion. It's kind of like a football team. We like football team analogies in this church. If It's been that way since 1988 when I came. And you look at a football team, and, oh, man, the the kickoff team is just fumbling, the, or, you know, is kicking the ball out of bounds, and the... the Return team is fumbling it, and the the line can't hold, and uh, we're having troubles with our passing game and our defense, and, oh, why don't they, they back up the quarterback better? He's getting sacked. And we look at all these individual problems, but lots of times the bigger root problem is what? Is that that team is failing to function as a team. They're failing to function together. That's really the big problem. You solve that, then then the the line strengthens up. You're covering your men better. And it's just like that in the Corinthian church. They are failing to function as a team, failing to function as a body, and therefore we have all these problems. So what led to this breakdown in the body of Corinth? Today we're going to look in Scripture at three different compromises or three failures of the Corinthian church. And these are dangers that even we as Laramie Valley Chapel face, that we need to be aware of. The first failure that we're going to look at is that the Corinthian church failed to guard its unity. Failed to guard its unity. Secondly, they failed to appreciate their diversity. And thirdly, they failed to understand and submit to God's sovereignty. They failed to guard their unity, failed to appreciate their diversity and failed to understand and submit to God's sovereignty. So let's begin by looking at verses 12 through 13, and then pop down to 25 and 26. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Verse 25, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. In these verses, Paul is again emphasizing the importance of unity. The Corinthian church had lost sight of it. They were squabbling amongst themselves. They were following different teachers. They were having different opinions on theological issues. They were trying to distinguish themselves with spiritual gifts. But Paul is emphasizing the unity that should be in our body because of Christ. When bodies don't function in unity, there's always problems, right? Think about a physical body, if, if the members aren't functioning in unity and harmony, we usually call that a sickness or we call it spasticness. If we see a symph- or go to hear a symphony and they're not in unity and harmony, what the music isn't very good, it's out of tune, they're out of beat. If we think of uh, a car engine, as the Wildtech Tech students may enjoy in the next service, if it could be a great V8, it could have a turbo, turbo on it, it could have all these things, but if it's not balanced right, if it's not firing right, it's never going to realize its full power. And the same goes for us as a church, is that if we aren't functioning in unity and harmony, we're not going to be able to represent Christ correctly to this world. We can't do it alone. Speaking of these analogies, did you... I think you realize this but let me just refresh your memory. God didn't plan for us to live this Christian life independently. Okay? God planned for it always planned for it to be harmonious interdependence. Especially out here in Wyoming, we 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 esteem self-sufficiency, right? We we esteem rugged individualism. We like to be saying, I don't need anybody, I'm my own man, I have my own land, I got my pickup, I got my dog, and I'm good to go. But, that may be the stuff of Marlboro commercials, that may be you know, cowboy slogans, but that's not God's plan for his church or for his people. And that's not how Jesus or Paul lived or ministered. Think about Jesus. Jesus stayed with his family probably until he was 30 years old. That didn't mean he was playing video games all that time. But he stayed with his family, and he was committed to them and lived in interdependence with them. Then when he left that, he took on 12 disciples and lived in community. Or how about Paul? We like to kind of think of Paul as this really independent guy that that split away from Barnabas and all this. But in reality, Paul always lived and ministered in community community. Think of all the people that he speaks to in each of his epistles, and when we read of him in Acts, he's always traveling with others. So this is a part of God's plan for the church. That's a part of God's plan for your life. You can't go it alone. But living and ministering in community can be challenging, and it requires unity, and that's what Jesus prayed for. Let's look at a passage in John chapter 17. John 17, starting in verse 20. Jesus is uh, giving the high priestly prayer. These are some of the most important things to Jesus that he's praying to the Father about. Verse 20, I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me, And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity. That the world may know that thou didst send me, and didst love them, even as thou didst love me. Jesus prayed for unity. That prayer is cast down through the ages, even over this church. His prayer, and still today, as as He's by the Father, He's still interceding for us, and I think He's still praying for our unity. But He not only prayed for our unity, He paid for our unity. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll start in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by, what? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is in the law of commandments, contained in the ordinances, that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Jesus not only prayed for unity, he paid for unity with his very life. And if unity is that important to Jesus, do you think he wants to be the head of a disunified body? Absolutely not. Jesus died for our unity. That's why we must guard against disunity. That's why it says in Titus 3:10 and 11 to reject the factious man after a first and second warning. Knowing that such a man is perverted, sinning, and self-condemned, not just because there are pain in our side, but because they are threatening the unity of the body. They're like a cancer. Romans 16, 17 and 18 says the same thing. It urges the brethren to keep their eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, for such men are slaves not of our Lord Jesus, but of their own appetites. So dissension and disunity are like a root of bitterness. They can spring up quickly and defile many, and we must guard against this, even in LVC. We must not entertain accusations or gossip. We must learn to turn the other cheek. What's the key to maintaining this unity? I, I heard a really good point made by our favorite John MacArthur. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. He says this, Is the key to maintaining unity. If you struggle with unity in your life, in your marriage, I know that sometimes marriages struggle, even in this church. If you struggle with unity in your family, at your workplace, in this church, this, according to John MacArthur, is the key to unity. Philippians two one through eight. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, unity. Do nothing from selfish or selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each one of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, I may add, body of Christ, which was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death. If you struggle with disunity in your relationships, you probably are struggling with humility. Having our pride pricked or our selfish wills denied is probably the most common causes of disunity. We must learn to show humility. The second failure or the compromise of the the Corinthian church that kept them from functioning as a body, one, they didn't guard their unity, And that's a warning to even us. Two is that they failed to appreciate diversity in two ways. Either A, they didn't value the gifts and roles that they had as individuals, or B, they didn't value the gifts and roles that others had. Look at verse back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Some people and hopefully you're, you're not one of them, but probably we all have to a degree, struggle with wanting to be somebody else. That's not God's plan for you in the church. God created you to be you. He created you to have the spiritual gifts that you have. We don't choose those. We don't get those at seminary necessarily. God gives us those He strengthens them in different ways. But He, the Spirit, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, works all things, distributing to each one just as He wills. So if you don't like your gifts, if you don't like who you are in the body, then you have to say God made a mistake. So let me assure you that you are unique and important to the body. Don't say if you're not a preacher or a teacher or a singer or administrator or a large donator that you're not needed in the body, but you are. And if you, this is a, puts a little bit of responsibility on you. If you are not functioning using your gift in this body the way it's meant to be, this body is partially crippled. This body is not functioning as God would desire. So don't be a spectator. Don't be a loner. And remember, it takes more than quarterbacks, right? If everybody wanted to be a quarterback, how would the team win? Secondly, some people in the church didn't value the contribution of others, so they didn't value the gifts and contribution of themselves, but others, they're maybe proud of their gift, didn't value the contribution of others. Let's look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem weaker are necessary, and those members which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and on our unseemly members come to have more abundant seemliness, whereas our seemly members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, that there should be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. I'm thankful for Pastor Appreciation Day, right? Once Once a year, usually we have a Pastor Appreciation Day, a Sunday, and maybe a Sunday for missionaries. But that leaves 50 or 51 more weeks that we can appreciate other members in the body, right? I want to challenge you to begin appreciating one another. Maybe there should be a Wade Hampton Appreciation Day. <laughs> you know, he's an important part of this body. Or Larry James, or Terry Dilt's or Tim McGeary and Joe Teeter. I mean, they're silent and uh, sneaking around with their microphones and things like that. But they're important. So is Jack Settlemeyer. I walked across the grass with him today, and, I, and we, we kind of joked about it. Maybe we should take the sidewalk. And he says, I spent a lot of time on this grass. I think I, I'm going to walk across it a few times. And I said, that's right. There's a lot of people. I think of my buddy Doug Wookie. I love you, Doug. And... Uh, We just really need to appreciate people. So, um, but think about the body. Sometimes the the important members that we see and and use all the time, (laughs) they're not as important as you might think. Think about your hand, and that's important, right? Or your eye. But you can lose one of those and still go on. Talk about your liver, probably not. You don't see it all the time but it's really important. I think about all the unseen prayer warriors when we were missionaries in Mongolia and Indonesia. They were battering down the gates of hell. They were raising up hedges of protection around us. A lot of older ladies, different churches, a lot of you, and they were the ones that brought God used to bring success, I believe. So learn to focus on each other's uniqueness. Don't get concerned with how that person's a little different from you. Don't get critical kind of like the esophagus saying to the stomach, I'm tired of being connected to that guy. He's so sour. no, don't be like that. Realize that we're all different. It's a good thing and that it takes an army, as one of my seminary professors said. I I think of, for lack of time, I'm not going to get into this, uh, but I think about camp, just the great body effort that that was. Think of Kyle Berger bringing out his horses. To think about Al and Carmela helping out. I think about there's too many people to to mention, Vonda and Teresa and Amy and so on and so on, and it wouldn't have happened without them. I think about how God has blessed the Techne ministry, and it wouldn't have happened by one man. It's taken a body effort. And so many of the people from this church are participating in that. I think about outreach to international students, and, and just, you know, I'm learning more and more that I need the body to be able to effectively reach out to them. The last and final failure of the Corinthian church that, that prohib, inhibited it from functioning effectively as a body, we have disunity and then a failure to appreciate the diversity. The third one was a failure, and this is important, Not often talked about. A failure to understand and submit to God's sovereignty. Look at verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each of them, in the body just as he desired. And verse 24. The second half. But God has so composed the body. Sometimes we are thinking that we just shop for churches, right? And that we decide. Uh, But if God has brought you here, He's given you a desire to be here and a peace to be here, and He has placed you here, you need to recognize His sovereignty, especially when things might go a little difficult for you. You need to remember that God is the one that's placed. God is the one that's composed. I think, Pastor... Lynn Howe, his, his, his prayer that I will take away is he always prays every time about, Lord, this is your church, and these are your people, right? And that's the truth. Christ is the head of the church. He's building the church, not us. Also, it says that, that he has composed, he's composing it. And, and John MacArthur, he said that we are all like paints, Sometimes we'd like to think that we're just a one solid color, like maybe uh, we have the gift of teaching, so we're blue, or we have the gift of giving, so we're red. But he says it's more complex than that. He believes that, that we have a mixture of gifts and different colors. We're teals and we're burgundies and such, and that God is painting us as a church into a portrait of Christ. So who are we to say, my color is not important? I'm just going to kind of fade out of this picture. Mm-mm. Or I'm going to run off of this canvas. No, God is painting a portrait of Christ even in this church and he wants you here. He has placed you here. He has composed you here. He's composing the body. Lastly, I want to draw your attention to something that's happening in our society which you need to be aware of. A century ago, there were two big attacks on the on the Christendom, we'll say. One was attack on creation. And one was attack on the Bible. Evolution swept in and, and, and tried to steal God's glory exp- expressed throughout creation and the universe. And higher critics came in and tried to discredit the Bible. But I see, as I look at our society, I see that in this 21st century, there's another attack, a new attack that's coming on strong, and it's an attack on the local church. There's an attack on the local church. People are saying that it's no longer relevant it's passe. They don't want to be a part of it. I, walk, I drive through my community or my neighborhood on here to, to Sundays every, every morning, Sunday morning, and I see people walking their dog. I th- see kids playing around, and it's like God doesn't exist. And I wonder how many of those people used to go to church, but now they've given themselves an acronym. We all need ac- acronyms, right? So they have an acronym, well, I'm SBNR. I'm spiritual, but not religious. See, I can have my own spirituality, I don't really need the church, and uh, I can do this on my own. That's not the message of 1 Corinthians 12. We're not just going to go and, and try to feed ourselves by watching online sermons. Mm-mm. What a selfish, immature view. Because that fails to realize that God wants to place you in a body and use you in a body with people. It's like a, saying the nuclear family is no longer relevant, right? Right? We're all one big village. No, the nuclear family is still needed just as the local church. Don't be acting like a bunch of modern day canes who are defending your lack of love and commitment for your brother. Don't be like the hand, the, the eye that says to the hand, I have no need of you. How much more can the eyes not say to the body, I don't need of you? And just go rolling around on the floor. That's pretty short sighted, right? waking you up. We need each other. Some Christians have been hurt, and they say, well, just the Father and me, that's enough. I've been hurt. I have word for you the Father says, go get right with your brother. Go get right with your brother before you try offering sacrifice to me on the mountain. He says, if you say that you love me but hate your brother, you're lying, and my love is not in you. And he says, by this, that they'll know that you're Christians by your love for one another. So the father's not going to back you on that. You can't just run to daddy and say, it's just me and him now. I don't need anybody else. I've been hurt. He's going to make you go get right with your brother and sister. You know how much God loves the world. We know that from John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. You want to see how much he loves the church? Turn back a few chapters to 1 Corinthians 3. This is an interesting passage. We'll probably end with this. Time's going by quickly. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy and that is what you are. Now, when I I used to read that, I used to think the you was singular, right? Like, Kind of like your body's a temple and stuff. This this you is plural. This you says, do you not know? He's talking to the church here. Do you not know, you, plural, that you are the temple of God? LVC, do you not know that, that you are the temple of God? And that the spirit of God dwells in you. Therefore, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are. Don't fail to recognize you're part of something bigger than yourself. And God wants you to be that. He wants to the unified body. He wants you to recognize that. So, in conclusion, sometimes more important than just figuring, trying to figure out on the spiritual gift indicator, which gift you have, and and trying to be like someone that can put yourself into whatever body you think is most appropriate to use your gift. Get a new perspective. Realize that it's God that's composing the church. It's Him that's placing the members. And realize that you need to be functioning as a body member, that you need to be part of the team. This is the reminder that the Lord gave to me even before Paul asked uh, me to preach a couple weeks ago, and I just realized, hey, that's the next chapter in line, and I believe it's something that God wants each of us to hear and contemplate. Thank you for your attention. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this dear church that you love so much that you want to see unify, that you want to see functioning as a whole with all the individual members. Lord, forgive us, for sometimes we forget what you prayed for. We forget what you paid for, and we are disunified, and we aren't appreciating one another as we should, Lord, and we're forgetting that it's you who is composing the body, not us, that you're distributing the gifts as you will. Lord, I just pray that this word would go with us, that you'd apply it to each of our hearts in your special way through your spirit, and that you would make this place, this church, a stronger church, more pleasing in your sight because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.